Now, Connect FM Sports puts every play under review with Bob Anderson, Dave Glass, and Dave Herzing. Penn State lost again to Ohio State. Who or what is to blame? We'll recap the game and talk about what needs to change going forward. Once again, the Steelers found a way to win despite being outplayed for three quarters. Is this sustainable? We'll talk, we'll talk to Brian Batko of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette for his take. The World Series matchup is set. The Penguins are Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde again, and the NFL continues to shock. There's plenty to talk about once again. I'm Bob Anderson. And I'm Dave Glass. Stay tuned as we discuss these topics and more as we go Under Review, sponsored by Smith Lawn and Landscaping on Connect FM, your only local news radio. Welcome back to Under Review. D is away for work this week, so it's just the two of us again, Dave. And I know you love October, and there's plenty to talk about. How are you doing? Well, I, I do love October. There's so much to watch, but it's a sad week. I mean, not just because um, you know it's starting to wind down. There's there are less events, but also just about every team I cared about, other than the Steelers, this weekend had a pretty rough week. So, and, and that's why I put that clip in there to start the show because Penn State, it's loving you as a losing game, at least when it comes to playing Ohio State. This was supposed to be Penn State's best chance, right? They yeah. had, uh, you know, Ohio State doesn't have the elite quarterback this year. They had a few injuries. Uh, the Nittany, Nittany Lions looked like they were poised to maybe win one here for a change, but it didn't turn out that way. And after the game, James Franklin actually addressed the media. And here's what he had to say real quick, and then I'm going to get your reaction on the other side. Appreciate you guys coming out to cover Penn State football. Uh, first of all, like always, want to give Ohio State a ton of credit. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure we'll watch the tape. I'm not sure if we didn't just watch two of the best teams in college football, uh, obviously. All right. So what do you think? Did we watch two of the best teams in college football? Well, we watched maybe one. Uh, I, I can't honestly watch that performance and put Penn State in that conversation. I mean, they've played a soft schedule. Yeah, okay, Iowa, that was great. But everybody, everybody knew that this and the Michigan game were the only two games that really mattered. And the defense was pretty darn good. And the offense was just, you know, Matt Canada level horrible. Yeah, I felt like I was watching the Steelers again there, you know? Well, and, and my friend Garrett Rowan texted me during the game. He's like, I already watch this every Sunday. I don't need to have two days in a row of it. And he was right. I mean, for six and a half of seven quarters, Saturday and Sunday, it was like, oh, just constantly getting beat over the head on bad offense, bad offense. And uh it, I don't know. I, I was disappointed in Penn State's line. They're supposed to be this vaunted line. There's high draft picks on this line. And every time they play a big game, they, they cannot hold up under the pressure. Uh, Drew Aller was not good. I'm not going to make any, you know, pressure, no pressure. He made some just unbelievably bad throws. He did no turnovers, really. But still, he was way off. The receivers were bad. The, the running backs were okay, but honestly, I didn't think they got the ball enough. And, and I just thought the schemes were just 
just blah. I mean, if you look at what Ohio State did, they had one supreme talent, and that was Marvis Harrison Jr. They knew it, we knew it, the whole world knew it, and they did everything they could to get the ball in his hands. They would move him around in formations, they would line him up, they would do bunch formations, everything they could. And I thought that was brilliant. I have to give them all the credit in the world. They're like, the only way we can win this is to get this guy the ball. And we had our playmakers, and I think they each had like seven or eight carries. And that game was close. It's not like we were way behind and had to just pass, pass, pass. I don't understand. Oh, yeah. It came down to the fourth quarter there. And, you know, and Franklin said they were maybe two of the best teams, maybe two of the best defenses. I don't know about two of the best teams. I don't see either of those teams beating Michigan. But uh, Drew Aller, yeah, speaking of him, he was 0 for 15 on third down. The first conversion came in the last minute when they finally scored a touchdown. Um, Penn State's offense, just totally inept. And now James Franklin is 1-9 against Ohio State. He's 3-16 against top 10 teams during his time at Penn State. So I saw an article on The Athletic that posed a great question are we seeing the ceiling for Penn State right now? Maybe do we need to adjust our expectations? Is this a team that we're just going to see win 10 games a year and lose to Ohio State and Michigan every year? Well, I would hope not. I mean, look, these things are cyclical. I think if you just asked Michigan fans three or four years ago, they'd probably say the same kind of thing. You know, that Harbaugh had been there a while. They couldn't get over the Ohio State hump. They couldn't get over it. They couldn't get over it. And then all of a sudden, they did. So I don't believe anything is predetermined. We've seen other teams rise and fall. You know, I are they short a wideout? Yes. Do they maybe need a different offensive coordinator? Maybe. And maybe it's Franklin. I, look, he's a great recruiter. And if you look at where they were 10 years ago versus where they are now, I mean, the end of Joe Pa's tenure, forget all the off-the-field stuff, which I've said plenty about. They were not great back then. If you remember, they had losing seasons in the 2000s. I mean, it was the recruiting was very shaky. O'Brien came in and stabilized things. But I don't think anybody thought in 2012, 2013 that we'd be here like – thinking 10 and two was just this epic, disgusting failure. So we have to be careful what we wish for. Look at Michigan State. Everybody thought they were going to be pretty good and they're horrible. So I don't think this is their ceiling. I think Allers, this is his first year starting. He's going to be better next year, I think. They're going to probably go out and do everything they can to get some wide out talent. Their defense is just flat out awesome. If they can find a way to keep Diaz for another year or two, which I think is the big problem, that guy's going to be a hot commodity to be a head coach again. But they're going to be right there. But sooner or later, we hit on this last week. Now three and sixteen against top ten teams. Oh and whatever on the road. Oh and ten. I think you got to you got to win one. You got to mix in a win, man. You can't just beat the bet the teams you're supposed to beat. You got to got to be get the big win. Absolutely. So uh, let's talk about a team that did get a big win over the weekend. That was the Steelers. Uh, for three quarters, it looked like Penn State again. <laughs> Watching that again, back to back. But um, Steelers trade trailed seventeen to ten going into the fourth quarter and. And then the offense came to life. It's like they flipped a switch, and all of a sudden they were blocking and making holes for the running backs. They scored three rushing touchdowns in the fourth quarter, which they hadn't had any up to that point. Um, you know, hitting Deontay, hitting Pickens. So uh, my question, though, is are we seeing the start of something good, or was that just an anomaly and we're going back to the same old Steelers in the, in the early part of the game this week? Well, I, I don't I hate to predict anything for them. I mean, we haven't seen them come out of the gates fast yet. So until I see that, I'm going to say that they still aren't good in the first half because they they weren't in this game and they haven't been all year pretty much. 
and I, you know, I, I was listening to Bill Simmons the other day, and he he compares Pickett to uh, to Eli Manning. He says, you know, you look at him, he's not that great. He gets gets sacked. He throws, he makes bad throws. And then all of a sudden, in the fourth quarter, he turns into you know the greatest thing in the world, and he beats you. And and Simmons is a Patriots fan, so he has a real like he saw Eli Manning up close and personal twice in those Super Bowls. And I was thinking about that, and it, and it is interesting when you think about it. if you look at Eli Manning statistics, he was just sort of the, another guy but yeah. then he would have those moments and and pick it so far and I, I do wonder if sometimes it's just they get behind and he just starts to improvise and he's better doing that than he is under the matt canada kind of strict offense yeah my theory with him is he goes as the running game goes if the running game's doing well then it sets him up for a little bit of success and that running game started to started to do well in the fourth quarter. So I, I feel like the two go hand in hand. Um, and, um, you know, for some reason, they just aren't able to get it going until later in the game. Well, there's something to that. But I also would say that, you know, him hitting those back shoulder throws to Pickens really isn't reliant on the running game. I mean, he just started to make better throws. I mean, I've seen it earlier in the year. He was way off with some of those throws. And he gets sometimes – and. and Back to your point about the line, I'm not sure if it's the running game, but it's definitely the line. If he's under pressure, he starts to get happy feet, and he's yeah. thrown off his back foot, and that's bad. In the second half of that game last week, he started to really plant that back foot and really come through and, and make really strong, accurate throws. That's when he's at his best, either that or when he's rolling out and kind of making weird, you know, improv, improv plays happen. But, uh, but hey, let's give some props to the defense. That's a pretty darn dangerous Rams offense. And in the second half, they just put the clamps to them. And what T.J. Watt is doing on defense is just amazing. Him and Miles Garrett, I think, right now are the two defensive players of the year. And and maybe they have a case for MVP at this point, too. Well, I and look, I'm no Browns fan, and I watched a lot of that Browns game. And man, did they they messed around and probably should have lost that game. And we could talk about the Deshaun Watson situation. I'm not even sure that guy wants to play. I mean, that's that's where I am with him. Or they, Miles want him, Garrett, they don't want him to play. <laughs> but Miles Garrett, Miles Garrett took that game over. Yep. I mean, he was just everywhere. And you got to give the guy his due. I actually right now, and I'm a huge TJ Watt fan. I think Miles Garrett is the defensive player of the year right at this moment. Wow. Yeah. I, I think you could make a case for either of them right now. But uh, back to the Steelers here real quick. The teams just, for some reason, start slow all the time. Uh, Matt Canada's offense has gone three and out to start a game in 11 of the last 15 first-quarter drives. That's just a terrible, terrible stat. It has to change. They can't continue to fall behind the eight ball, especially against good teams. So that's one thing I want to ask Brian Batko about is why is this team so slow at starting and what can be done to change that, Dave? Well, I think that's a a great point. I think they've got to change. I mean, obviously the play calling, you look at those old Bill Walsh teams and they still do it. The good teams like the Andy Reid teams, they'll script their first X number of plays and, and they seem to have a lot of success with that. Canada doesn't. Maybe you just, you know, tell. Maybe instead of scripting it like that, maybe you just turn it over to Pickett and say, "Listen, you know, audible into Take something." If they're, if they're squeezing yeah. the box, which they've been doing a lot of in the beginning of the game, you know, maybe hit a couple quick crossers and and yeah. see if you can get something going. I think getting Johnson back really helps big time. Um, but I I got to mention this. I'm a little bit worried about Pickens because he keeps having these stupid, you know, unsportsmanlike penalties, taunting penalties. You yep. know, he's they. They got to tone that stuff down. I mean, we got away with it this week, but he he made a couple of really bonehead moves there. 
All right, when we return, we'll talk to Brian Batko maybe about that and other things. Stay with us as we continue Under Review, sponsored by Smith Lawn and Landscaping. Here we go again, the same old story. You order the part online, it's wrong when it arrives, the car's torn apart, and then the fun begins. Trying to send it back, in the meantime your wife is missing her hair appointment, the kids need to, well you know the rest of the story, and you think you saved money. At Napa, we'll get it right the first time. Napa know-how is on your side with expert customer service and parts that meet or exceed manufacturer's standards. Napa, better here to serve you, our customers, Napa Auto Parts, Dubois, Brockway, Brookville, and Climber. Hi, I'm Callie Sarvey from Sarvey Insurance. In my family, nothing matters more than protecting the ones you love. It's why we lock our doors at night and wear our seatbelts when we ride in the car. It's why we teach our kids not to talk to strangers and how to stop, drop, and roll. No matter how you protect your family, insurance should be part of the plan. For over 50 years, we've been helping families like yours find the right coverage for their lifestyle, and we'd like to do the same for you. Come see us in Brookville, Dubois, or Punxsutawney to secure your family's future today. Sarvey Insurance. Protecting your family is our family business. In the Pennsylvania Army National Guard, get a head start on a career in exciting fields, including science, communications, engineering, and medicine, all while earning money for your education. This training will boost your eligibility for a high-paying and rewarding profession, and you can get it all while serving part-time in your community. To learn more about the Pennsylvania Army National Guard, visit nationalguard.com PA and talk to a recruiter today. Paid for by the Pennsylvania Army National Guard. Here's your Connect FM Tri-County forecast. Mainly cloudy tonight with lows around 49. Southwesterly winds 5 to 10 miles per hour. More clouds than sun again tomorrow. Highs level off around 70. Lows level off around 53. Tomorrow night, cloudy. Low 70s. Friday, cooler. Saturday, with highs in the upper 60s and scattered showers possible. That's your Tri-County forecast throughout the hour, throughout your busy day on Connect FM. Currently, it's 70. What's your call? This is Under Review on Connect FM. You can call Bob, Dave, and Dave at 814-372-1420. Join the chat on their Facebook page by searching Under Review Sports. Welcome back to Under Review. I'm Bob Anderson, and he is Dave Glass. Brian Batko covers the Steelers for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and joins us on the line now. Brian, good to talk to you again. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Great. Appreciate you taking the time here. I read your article about bully ball in the run game, and you posed a question that I posed earlier in this um, in the last segment. Will this offense's fourth quarter against the Rams be a springboard into the game this week coming up, or uh, are we going to see the same old woes? And you left that open-ended. If you were predicting, which way would you lean with that question? Yeah, I wish I knew. And uh, I guess that's the same old uh, thing to ponder with these Steelers, right? I mean, I thought after what we saw against the Raiders uh, for most of that game out in Vegas, that they would parlay that into a strong performance down in Houston and then add arguably their worst offensive performance all season. And, And then at the end of the Ravens game, you know, they got it going again in the fourth quarter with the game winning touchdown pass from Kenny Pickett to George Pickens and nothing to be found in the first half of that Rams game, even coming off the bye week. So they are really Jekyll and Hyde. Um, I guess the fact that that's two consecutive games now that they've, you know, they've strung together some good drives and they've moved the ball in the second half. 
maybe I, I lean more toward it is a springboard for better days ahead, but I don't know, fifty-one forty-nine on that at best. Oh yeah, we're we're in the same boat. But uh, we were also pondering why is it that this team struggles so much out of the gate? I mean, how many three and outs are we seeing to start games? Uh, what's going on there, Brian? Well, I mean, Mike Tallman addressed that a little bit Tuesday. Although you know his answer was kind of more of an explanation of why it doesn't always go well early in games, and, and in terms of what they're trying to accomplish with their opening script of plays, um, you know, after the opening kickoff, he said they're, they're also using it to kind of glean information about what the defense is doing, maybe take stock of some of their formations, structurally, what's going to be available to the Steelers, where's the weak spot going to be. I get all that. It, it makes sense, but that doesn't really explain why it never goes well out of the gate for this team. I mean, it is just a recurring issue i you know in a perfect world if you're a good offense you're you're learning what the defense gives you and at the same time you're exploiting that and and taking advantage of it i don't think it's quite as simple as uh you know the steelers are lulling teams into a false sense of security or playing possum early on that would not be a wise move at the nfl level because then you get down in a hole like they did against san francisco and houston but uh, i i guess there could be something to hey, these plays that we're coming out with, um, maybe they're not our best. Maybe they are just laying the groundwork for what's to come. At least two weeks in a row, you can't argue with the outcome very much. No, I mean, there are no bad road wins in the NFL, and we have to give them their due on that. But I guess I I would counter what what, uh, Coach Tomlin said and say, you know, it's almost like a defensive mentality on offense. You're you're reacting instead of um, you know attacking. The best offenses around the league, you know, they're always forcing the defense to react to them. And what I'm hearing is it's almost like, well, we'll wait and see what they show us first. I, I just don't agree with that. I mean, you got to go out and try to set a tempo and and take control of things a little bit earlier. Um, but I do have a question for you. Do you think that uh, you know we we saw some things from Pickens? that really concerned me. He had some great catches. Don't get me wrong. Sensational talent. But, you know, unsportsmanlike conduct, taunting penalties, losing his cool a little bit there. Um, does that concern you long-term? It does. I think it's something that it's, it's the kind of situation that, to me, Mike Tomlin needs to try to get a better handle on. You know, far be it from me to tell a guy who's been doing this for 17 years uh, the, the right and wrong way to manage his players. I mean, he, he certainly knows by now what buttons to press, and as far as Pickens goes, I mean, he's, he hasn't gotten into any trouble off the field. There's been nothing like that. Um, needless to say, that's, that's the biggest thing, as long as you keep your guys uh, in line that way. But, yeah, I mean, the, the, the pattern that's developing between the lines of being an, an, an emotional and I would say at, at times immature player and not really straddling the line of playing with passion and playing recklessly – we saw that at times in his rookie year. That was a reputation that, uh, fairly or unfairly, I guess, followed him from Georgia into the NFL. And I would even say, guys, when we were uh, when we were out your way in July and August for training camp, um, you saw a lot of that from him then too. In in practice, you know, the the showboating, even jawing with officials from time to time. You know, I came away from Latrobe honestly thinking they need to nip that in the bud. And now we're seven weeks in and didn't wreck a game for them in L.A., but those kind of penalties can 
alter the outcomes of games or at the very least make it difficult to come back for a team that we just talked about doesn't have a, a huge margin for error that way. No, I agree. I agree. I hope they can clean it up. I want to switch to the other side of the ball really quick. Obviously, you know, with a few hiccups here and there, the defense has looked really good. They've stepped up and they've made some big plays, some splash plays. But I want to talk to you a little about about the cornerback situation. And look, I don't watch the All-22, and you, you probably do. But it seems to me when I watch them on TV... All I ever see is Levi Wallace getting burned, Levi Wallace getting burned. And when they when there's other corners, when when they put Joey Porter out there, it seems like he, he he's made a few mistakes I've seen, but he's made a lot of big plays too. What are you seeing? I'm seeing a little bit of a tricky situation because certainly on on its face I'm with you, you know, in my instant analysis from LA, you know, every week in in that story that publishes right when the game ends on the Post Gazette website, I've got a trending up and a trending down and Levi Wallace was my trending down player. I mean, he just wasn't very good, and he, he nearly cost them that game. It was similar to, you know, he had some gaffes against the 49ers as well, as did his uh, his running mate Patrick Peterson. But the reason why I say it's a tricky situation, it's, and it's not as simple as just, hey, bench one or both, they're not playing above the line. They've also done some good things, uh, not just uh, obviously the course of, of their career, Peterson far more so than Wallace, um, you know, good NFL track record, uh, a lot of good tape, a lot of good statistics. You feel comfortable with their resumes. But even this year, when I think it's been more bad than good, you know, Wallace had the pick. Uh, you know, they both had picks against the Raiders. Wallace had some nice pass breakups against the Ravens. I, you know, I think there's still some good there, but uh, he is being exploited by opposing teams. And the fact that you have a talented rookie that you drafted with the first pick of the second round on the sideline in favor of him, that to me is, is what needs to change. So I don't know that I'd bench Wallace entirely, but I'd, I'd probably flip-flop those two roles and make Joey Porter Jr. an every-down guy and Wallace more of a sub-package defender. Yep, uh, we're talking to Brian Batko from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Um, Brian, I was reading on your chat there, you were out at SoFi Stadium. Was that your first time out there? It was, yeah. I've been to L.A. a couple times, but that was my first time for work. Uh, quite a stadium. Probably the best one I've been to in the NFL. Yeah, so I was going to ask you, what is your favorite venue? I, I mean, if it's not, if it, if you go with SoFi, what's another one that you really enjoy? What would be a good road trip for Steelers fans? Yeah, so what I was going to say was, I mean, with SoFi, uh, that probably is number one, and, and here's why. Because I think unlike baseball stadiums, which, you know, I haven't been to a ton of those. I, I cover the NFL, so it's it's an exponential amount more but i mean it generally baseball stadiums you can do different things with them different dimensions every park kind of has its own character and if it doesn't i think that you know it ranks down at the bottom of the best major league ballparks the difference with the nfl is you know it's a hundred hundred yard field right in the middle of a big bowl that there's not a ton of personality that nfl stadiums have generally but so far i did it's definitely unique with the kind of open air um you know very you know floor to ceiling windows it's super bright I, I would certainly recommend checking that out um allegiant is cool too in its own way out in las vegas and, and just the experience of being out there for a steelers game probably has that at the top of the road trip venues for me but then the other two that i'll mention because i think those are the two coolest uh dome stadiums i've been to you can't really beat the history of arrowhead in kansas city and of course lambeau field in Green Bay. Also a lot of fun to, to go to those, which I've been fortunate enough to do. 
Uh, when we look at the schedule, we're, we just have a little bit more time, but, you know, we've got a three-game homestand here. The Jaguars are pretty good, but after that, you know, you get the Titans and the Packers, and then I look ahead, and the last three games are Bengals, Seah Seahawks on the road, Ravens on the road. So you, you've got to believe they've got to go into those that last three with a little cushion. Um, what, what do you make of these next three games? What do we need to see? Do you think two and one and you still feel pretty good about where they're at? Or, you know, it, certainly I would think if they come out of here at one and two, there's got to be real concerns, right? Yeah, and the thing about the Steelers, I mean, you guys know it. They are such an unpredictable team week <laughs> to week that I hesitate to even get into those hypotheticals of, what do you want their record to be after this stretch? Because they could go 0-3 and, and just for, for no good reason rip off three more wins in a row and get back to, to two games above 500. Like, that's just what they do year in and year out. I mean, it's perfect example is week four in Houston, I thought for sure they were going down and winning that game against a rookie quarterback, albeit one who had been playing well. They get crushed. And then I'm thinking, all right, they're not going to come back at home week five and beat the Ravens, who are much better on paper. They find a way to steal that game. And then even this one, I figured, all right, they're going on the road. They're probably not going to have two wins in a row like that, and that's exactly what they did. So, I, you know, I'm certainly – I don't think I'm going to pick them against the Jaguars if I sat down and, and went position group by position group or, you know, um, offense, defense, special teams, and, and gave the advantage out. I'm probably giving more to Jacksonville, and yet they're going to get them at home. And like you said, after that, you've got two more games to finish out a homestand against teams that I would say I'd probably give the advantage to the Steelers to. Uh, talent-wise when you look at the roster from top to bottom. But as we saw with the Texans, that doesn't always guarantee a victory one way or the other. So, I mean, I guess if they get through this stretch 2-1, and one, essentially beating the teams they should beat, losing to who they should lose to, then, yeah, you know, you're sitting at 6-3, and three, and you've got to think over the, you know, the balance of the season, uh, you can at least grind out three more wins and you're above 500 and you're probably fighting for a playoff spot again. Well, yeah, I agree. But, you know, you, you hit on a great point, and that's that we've come to expect this inconsistency. And now, look, it's the NFL. Last week was carnage. We saw a lot of good teams lose. But it's not just every once in a while with this team. It, it does seem like the last three, four, five years, you can count on them winning games that you don't expect them to win, but losing very, very winnable games. And at what point do you start to – and I'm a Tomlin guy. I want to say that. I've been a Tomlin guy from the beginning. But at some point, do you start to get concerned that this just doesn't ever seem to change? Yeah, I think you, you certainly have to get concerned with just being middle of the pack. I mean, that, that even in a league with as much parity as this, sort of preventing you from either, you know, one, obviously being really successful and playing in those significant games late into uh, January and early February that you want to play in, but two, you're also not really hitting the reset button like we're seeing from some teams at the bottom of the standings. You know, if the Texans prove to be, uh, you know, more legit than we gave them credit for and maybe by the end of the season we're saying, hey, that not only was that uh, not a bad loss, but that's not even a game the Steelers should have win. Well, okay, how did the Texans get to that point? By losing a lot of games, getting good draft picks, and, and rebuilding their roster. So um, that's just not really where the Steelers have, have ever been comfortable operating, for better or worse. And I guess you know if you want to look at the more optimistic side, fellas, like they did basically take care of business that they should have in the second half of last season, right? I mean, they, the only losses were to the Bengals and the Ravens, certainly understandable. And then they beat the teams they should have from the NFC South. And so far this year, the only one that's, that's really a head-scratcher is getting beat that badly by the Texans. Um, but other than that, 
they're winning games that we probably thought they shouldn't have. So um, we'll see if that's sustainable. I, I hesitate to think it is, but I guess they've proven us wrong a lot before. Yeah, if I would have put blinders on and not watched any of the games, I would have taken the 4-2 and two record. But uh, nonetheless, it's tough to watch when you're in it. It is, for sure. Hey, Brian, we really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, no problem. We'll see you anytime. All right. When we come back, we'll go through the Week 8 slate here on Under Review. Stay with us. We're sponsored by Smith Lawn and Landscaping. to make your day. Fly from Dubois to Washington, Dulles, or Pittsburgh and make seamless baggage connections to United, American, and Alaska Airlines. Book low fare tickets on iFlySouthern.com from Dubois to anywhere in the U.S. and your bags automatically transfer to your final destination. At Southern Airways, we fly to make your day. Go to iFlySouthern.com. Hi, this is Gordon Deal. Thursday on This Morning, America's First News. Will residents of Gaza get more of the aid they're seeking as Israel hits Hamas targets? We'll have developments from the Middle East. Also, the new state laws restricting or banning abortions after Roe v. Wade was overturned have not stopped women from getting the procedure. And when rising home prices work against the plans of retirees. Thursday on This Morning, America's First News. 99.7-96.7 Connect FM. If you're tired of the fake news and tired of all the left-wing BS and agendas out there, if you want to do your right part to clean out the swamps and hit the lefties where it hurts, their pocketbook, we all know the president and his cronies hired thousands more IRS employees and agents. Now that's not very American. There's a way to fight back. Fellow conservatives out there, call American Tax Relief. They can help you pay less to the IRS. Don't you give a penny more to spend to the left-wing agendas. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes or haven't filed your taxes in years, call my friends at American Tax Relief. They'll give you a 100% free introduction to their program. And trust me, they're on the right side of your freedom. Pay the IRS less. Call now. 800-947-2132. 800-947-2132. That's 800-947-2132. Paid for by the tax doctor. Keeping your eye on the ball is the key to playing sports well. Let Wise Eyes coach you into sturdy shatter and contact-resistant eyewear. Whether your child plays sports... You love extreme sports or you work in hazardous construction zones. You need sharp vision while protecting your eyes. Dr. Lineski is a leader in clinical eye care and takes the time to explain your eye test results. Proud to support local sports programs, Wise Eyes has served our community for over 20 years. Commons Drive to Boys and at MyWiseEyes.com. I'm Dan Kennard, and this is the local youth sports feed on Connect FM for October 25th. It is sponsored by Wise Eyes at the Dubois Commons and by Dr. Greg Lineski. Let's back it up and take a look at the week number nine scoreboard for District 9 High School football last weekend. On Thursday night, it was Red Bank Valley with a 52-28 win over the Brockway Rovers. On Friday, Dubois shut out Monotaw 36 to nothing. Brookville doubled up Punxsutawney 14 to 7. Clearfield fell to Central Martinsburg 27 to 21, and it was Kerwinsville losing to Glendale 30 to 8. Central Clarion rolls on. They had a 59-0 win over St. Mary's. Union AC Valley with a big 51-13 decision over Ridgeway. And Elk County Catholic got their second win of the year, a 24-0 shutout of Sheffield. 
That sets up a more limited week number 10 schedule coming up this Friday night. The Brockway Rovers now with a 6-3 record play at Cameron County with a record of 7-2. That game will be 7 o'clock Friday night on affiliate station Sunny 106. The 4-5 and five Dubois Beavers are on the road to face the Golden Tigers of Hollidaysburg. They are 3-5. and five. Brookville, with a 7-2 and two mark now, plays at Ridgeway. The Elkers are 2-7. and seven. Punxsutawney has a 6-3 and three record. They take that to Union AC Valley, where they are 5-4. and four. Clearfield now at 6-3 and three this season, plays 7-2 and two Chestnut Ridge, and that game will be in Clearfield. Kerwinsville plays at Tussie Mountain Friday night. Checking the District 9 High School Boys Soccer Playoffs scoreboard in action yesterday, Tuesday, was the District 9 Class Single A quarterfinal round. The fifth-seeded team, Port Allegheny, upended fourth-seeded Elk County Catholic by a 1-0 score. Number six-seeded Brookville fell to the number three-seed Red Bank Valley by a 5-2 score. And the seventh-seeded team, the Brockway Rovers, lost to Clarion Limestone. They're the second seed. 3-2 was the final of that one. In District 9 High School girls soccer playoffs on Monday, the class single-A quarterfinal round, three-seeded Brookville defeated Clarion big time, 9-1, Clarion the number six seed. And that sets up uh, a game for Brookville coming up this evening. They play the number two seed, Brockway, in the semifinal round at 6.30 tonight. Elk County Catholic, the number four seeded team, was a 3-2 to two winner over Red Bank Valley, the fifth seeded team, on Monday. The Lady Crusaders are playing top seeded Carn City this evening. And checking District 9 High School girls volleyball playoff action on Tuesday. It was the first round of the District 9 class single A teams. Dubois Central Catholic lost to Oswego Valley 3-1. And Brockway was eliminated in straight sets by Clarion. That's the local youth sports beat for this week on Connect FM. Sponsored by Dr. Greg Lineski and Wise Eyes at the Dubois Commons. Now, let's go back to Under Review on Connect FM. Here again, Bob Anderson, Dave Glass, and Dave Herzing. It's week eight, and it's time to make our picks. Uh, Before we do that, Dave, uh, it was a rough week for me. I know that standings got a little tighter here. A little tighter. It was a rough week for everybody. Uh, Herzing won the week at seven and six. He was the only one to break 500. I went six and seven. You went five and eight. We the early games were just a bloodbath for everyone. I mean, it was tough. I think at one point you were one and six. Oh yeah, I at least made a little bit of hay in yeah. that. Well, I don't. I, I kept pace anyhow with you guys in this. So later that did games. tighten things up. You were you had a fairly t- comfortable lead, but now you're you've got a sixty six and thirty eight record. Herzing is sixty four and forty, and I'm sixty three and forty one. And uh, interesting slate of games. Obviously, uh, Survivor. You know, you won it, but I have kept track of who everybody's taken. So um, anyway, let's uh, continue on to week eight. Some yeah. very interesting games. There are no buys this week, by the way. That's weird. By yeah, the way. I know. Right in the middle of the season here. But uh, Tampa Bay is three and three and they're going to Buffalo on Thursday night. We'll let you start this off. Well, I don't. Again, you know, Buffalo, you want to talk about an inconsistent team. 
I mean, everybody kind of thought Pittsburgh was going to be mediocre. Everybody thought Buffalo was going to be really good. They'll they'll win a big game and then they'll look really really terrible the next week. I still I can't pick against Buffalo. I just can't. So especially at home, it's you know it might. It's a Thursday game. Those are weird, but I'm still taking Buffalo, and so is Dave Herzing. Well, I'm taking Buffalo, too, and this is actually one of the biggest spreads of the week and should be an easy game, but Buffalo, like you said, has been inconsistent. Their offense has struggled early in games. They fell behind uh, against New England 13-3 to on Sunday. Of course, they have the offense that can you know, get some splash plays in a hurry, but they just uh, – that reduces your your margin of error they made new england's offense look kind of good and that's scary sure is but i don't have any confidence in baker mayfield either so uh definitely taking buffalo we got the la rams three and four at dallas four and two dallas is coming off the bye it should be pretty healthy we talked about this at the break i almost wanted to make this my lock of the week but like you said the rams do have an explosive offense but uh, give me Dallas. I'll hold off on the lock here for now. Well, that's what Dave and I took as well, probably for the same reasons. I, I wouldn't, I would not have made it in my lock. Um, but at home, they should be good enough to hold them off. Now we got the toss-up game here. I'm curious how you you view this one. Minnesota three and four at Green Bay two and four. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I had it as a half point for Green Bay, but I see today it's it's dead even, and we haven't seen yet the, that this year that I can recall. I am taking Minnesota because I'll give Green Bay home field advantage there, but, you know, it's going to be a warm – I think it'll still be pretty warm in Green Bay. It's not going to be crazy cold yet. Um, And, frankly, Minnesota has the better quarterback. I mean, through it all, I I looked at Cousins' numbers. He's not been the problem up there at all. And, you know, he just came off a big win against San Francisco – Green Bay really hasn't impressed me at all. No, not um, at all. So I'm, I'm I'm going with Minnesota. Yeah, I'm going with Minnesota too. The the Packers, these two teams are going in different directions. So the Packers have dropped three in a row. They were shut off, shut out offensively last week in the first half by a Denver team that gave up 70 points to Miami. Uh, Minnesota, yeah, they're without Justin Jefferson, but Jordan Addison looks like a star. Yeah, he looked good. You know, and um, they've won two in a row, so I'll go with Minnesota. Herzing took Green Bay. Oh, okay. All right, so we got Atlanta 4-3 and three at Tennessee 2-4. and four. I'll take this one. Did you see that Will Levis is scheduled to make his debut in this game, Dave? No, I didn't. All right, I don't know if it'll make a difference. I'm going to go with Atlanta here. Uh, the big question for me is, with Tennessee, it looks like they might be sellers, especially if they lose this week. Does that mean Derrick Henry gets dealt? And boy, would he look good in a couple of jerseys. I've heard Baltimore mentioned. Oh boy, that would really be something. Although you know, he's got a lot of a lot of wear on his on his tires. I, I I do worry about that. And you know, it's always tough in the NFL to make big time moves at the end season because of salary cap considerations. But that would be interesting. I actually um, Herzing also took Atlanta. I took Tennessee, and it's it's probably my biggest gamble of the week. I just I don't believe in this Atlanta team. I just don't. I I've, I've watched them a little bit, and it's like they're they're just not very good. And no. they're on the road. You got a dome team going outdoors. Tennessee has just enough talent that they can win some of these games. Um, but you know, this is one of those. You know, you could flip a coin. I, I don't pretend to have any you know, savant like knowledge on this one. No, you just know there's going to be upsets in the NFL and why not take a, take a gamble here and there. The Falcons, they won a sloppy one on Sunday. I mean, they, they fumbled three times in the end zone. I just don't believe they're any good. Yeah. But I'm not, I don't believe Tennessee's any good either. No, I know. Two bad teams. And by the way, Atlanta leads that division. 
we got New Orleans at Indianapolis. Both teams are three and four. Another tough game to predict. Well, I'm going to start with Herzing's picks this week, uh, this time. Uh, he took Indianapolis. I assume, you know, they, look, they almost beat Cleveland, probably should have beat Cleveland when it comes right down to it. Uh, they were gashing that really good Cleveland defense. Um, I did not. I took New Orleans because I just, here again, I cannot bring myself to believe in Gardner Minshew and and that, that that Indianapolis is somehow all of a sudden this powerhouse. I prove me wrong. I don't know, but I, I you give me Minshew versus Carr, I'll take Carr's, and they're both dome teams. So well, how did they put up thirty eight points against the Browns? They were last gashing week. them. I, I texted you during the game. I was watching. Yeah. I'm like, guys, they are just absolutely gashing this defense. It must have been the jerseys and the and the black helmets. I, I don't, don't know. know. But uh, Derek Carr, he was super frustrated last week, and and you know the receivers and him don't seem to be on the same page. But I took New Orleans too. Oh, you did. Yeah, wow. the Colts defense has given up twenty seven point three points per game. So uh, I don't know. I'll just take New Orleans in this one. I, I just feel a little bit better about them. We got the Dolphins, who are five and two at the Patriots, two and five. The black cloud was lifted over the Patriots last week, and we came to find out that Bill Belichick had a secret extension over the summer. So all this talk about the hot seat, that was thrown out the window. But uh, the Dolphins, I'm going to go with them. I don't think that uh, lightning strikes twice for New England. Yeah, probably not. You know, I, I picked Miami last week, and they they really got you know handled pretty easily by Philly in the second half. I did not realize they were as beat up as they were. Um, and I probably should have done my due diligence before I made that pick. Having said that, at home, I don't believe in New England's offense at all. I think Miami will bounce back. Um, I just think they're a better team. So both Herzing and I also took Miami. Yeah, I said at Patriots, but it's at Dolphins, isn't it? Yes. Okay, so we got the Battle of New York here. We got the Jets and the Giants. Jets are 3-3. Three and three. The Giants are 2-5, and five, Dave. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. The Jets are technically the away team, but there's no obviously very little home field. I know the Giants fans will be up. You know, a lot of Jets fans are going to buy tickets to this too. Um, I took the Jets mainly because I don't think either of these offenses is any good, but I really like that Jets defense. Um, but the Giants, I mean, they're winning games they shouldn't win too. So we talked about this before we went on the air. It's hard to figure these teams. Even at week eight, when normally it's 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 shaken out a little bit, the cream's starting to rise to the top. It, that's not happening so much yet. So, but I still took the Jets. Uh, Herzing took the Giants. Hmm. So, wow, I took the Jets too, just because of what you said. The Jets have the best unit on the field. That's the defense. And so, uh, let's see if Tyrod Taylor and the Giants can can do it again. They beat their division foe, and sometimes you're a little more familiar with them. There's a theme here so far. It's you and me against hers. I see so that. Somebody's going to be making some moves. All right, well, let's see how we pick this one. The Jaguars are 5-2 and two at the Steelers, 4-2. and two. I have a feeling Herzing went Steelers here. He always says stairway. So I, I actually went with the Jaguars. Uh, I didn't know what to do here. The Steelers, they defy logic. I just don't know what to do with them week to week. But um, they lose nearly every metric, yards for, time of possession, et cetera, et cetera. But they find a way to win. I just think the Jaguars are the better team here. I don't believe in non-sustainable things like turnovers. I believe in sacks. I believe in pass breakups. But year after year, you see turnovers are not really a repeatable thing. Defensive touchdowns are not a repeatable thing. And until this offense can stand on its own two feet for a full game, I can't really justify picking them against any good team. So I took Jacksonville. But as you might guess, I think if they were playing the 2017 
Patriots, he would probably say stairway. <laughs> um, so he did take Pittsburgh. So yet again, wow. it is you and me against him. All right. Well, we got the Eagles six and one at the Commanders three and four. Well, Philadelphia, I did, you know, Washington, they, they've showed a little friskiness, but Philly's just a good team. They handled Miami pretty easily. And again, Miami was beat up, but I thought Philly made a statement. This is the kind of game, yeah, ups, upsets happen, but I don't know how you could possibly go with Washington here. Yeah, well, they actually played once before. It went to overtime. The Eagles won that one, but uh, the Eagles just, they looked really good last week, and I, I got to go with them. I love those Kelly Green uniforms, by the way. Man, those are sharp. Um, the Eagles, they just bully teams up front, so give me them. Yep. Tex- and that Herzing, too. Yep. Okay, the Texans are 3-3 three and three at the Panthers 0-6. We just talked about how we don't think Carolina will go over the whole season, but I just can't pick them yet. I'm going with the Texans here. And by the way, these are the two top picks in the draft going head to head. I wonder if Carolina regrets that choice of of uh, Young over uh, Stroud. It, it, you would. You always wonder if that's the way it's going to play out. Um, both Herzing and I took Carolina. I I knew that I was taking a gamble here, but I I just again rookie quarterbacks tend to go up and down. I think Stroud's eventually going to have a really, really bad week. Carolina can't – they're not good, but they I, they don't strike me as an 0-17 type talent. I, I do think they're going to pull one out, and why not here? So I, and so it's actually him and me, hmm. both against you. Herzing also took Carolina. All right, very good. We'll go to you here. Browns 4-2 and two at the Seahawks 4-2, and two, another toughie. This is really tough because Cleveland, you know – I think we alluded to this earlier. I'm not sure Deshaun Watson wants to play. You know, he got hurt. He was cleared to come back. He didn't come back. It's not clear whether he, you know, that he was a coach's decision or whether he just didn't want to play. You know, he sat out a couple weeks and the coaches said he was cleared to play. Very fishy. What What is going on here? And it's not like his backup was great last week, um, but they they did win the game. And so then you've got Seattle who has all kinds of weapons on the outside, all kinds of weapons. Teams tend to struggle when they go to Seattle. This line is really close, closer than I thought it really probably should be. But Herzog and I both take Seattle, I think mainly because of the home field. If it was in Cleveland, I'd be sorely tempted to go the other way. And I have the same philosophy. I did take the Seahawks in this one. I think that is one field that is a good home field advantage. We got uh, the Chiefs 6-1 and one at the Broncos 2-5. and five. I suspect we're all going Chiefs here and the uh, Broncos, they've lost 16 games in a row to the Chiefs. I mean, that's horrible. Uh, and the Chiefs offense coming to life here. Yeah, I don't know if there's much to say. N- none of us are going to take Denver in this game. Um, surprisingly, Herzing didn't take them as his lock. He still had them available. You and I have used them up. Um, but, yeah, that, what can you say? Den- Denver's bad, and this it, they do have the mile high thing, but I wouldn't pick them in a game like this. I just wouldn't. We got the Ravens five and two at the Cardinals one and six, Dave. Uh, well, I took Baltimore. Arizona's terrible. Um, Baltimore, you know, coming off that Steeler game, they looked really, really good last week. I mean, they made a real statement against the Lions. You know, I, we, oh man, I didn't see that coming. No, I don't think anybody did that. No. That game was over by the half. Yeah, and so when he, I'm and I've been saying this all year, as long as Jackson is healthy, this is a very, very, very dangerous team. And if he gets hurt, when he gets hurt. I'm going to probably change my tune. He's not hurt. He's healthy. I don't know how Arizona stays with him. Herzing feels the same. In fact, Herzing, that's his lock. Oh, that's going to be my lock too. Could the Ravens be the best team in the AFC right now? Hmm. That's an interesting question. I yeah, think they're they in the conversation. I mean, 
you know, yeah. I would have said Miami until last week. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, and it's funny because every time they play Pittsburgh, they have trouble. Yeah. But every they seem to pound these other teams. I them putting up thirty five on on Detroit doesn't totally shock me. Them holding that Detroit offense down really impressed me. All right, we got the Bengals three and three at the 49ers five and two. And this one to me might be the game of the week. It, it is the game of the week. This yeah. is a great, great matchup. So much intrigue. We talked about it coming in the door. Yep. Whoever loses this game has a lot of questions. If it's if it's the Bengals, all of a sudden they're under five hundred again. And if it's the Niners, they're they've lost three in a row. So yeah, the guys are beat up. I I, I saw um what um McCaffrey? Well, McCaffrey's beat up, but uh, Debo. Didn't I see that uh, their quarterback's in concussion protocol? Might not be able Brock to play. Brock Purdy. Yeah. No, I didn't hear that, but yeah, maybe so. so. That, you know, <laughs> they need a buy. They do need a buy. And the Bengals just had a buy. And, and and here's my thing. I I made the pick, and then I saw the Purdy thing, but I had already seen Herzing's pick, and so I'm, I never changed my picks after I see that. So I took San Francisco, and this is going to sound like a cop-out, but if I knew Purdy was in concussion protocol, I probably would have taken Cincinnati, but I, that's no excuse. I'm sticking by San Francisco because that's who I took. Um, Herzing took Cincinnati. I took Cincinnati too. Hard to see the Niners losing three in a row, though. That's the only thing that I'm worried about, but they are so banged up. By the way, McCaffrey just made history, scored his uh, 16th straight game with a touchdown. Crazy what that he's doing. That is insane. All right, we got the Bears 2-5 and five at the Chargers 2-4. First off, why is this game on Sunday night? Yeah, they should have flexed the, the Niners-Bengals game, but... Yeah, um... But the Chargers, they continue to underachieve. They disappoint, but they're playing against one of the worst teams. So I'll take the talent here and take the Chargers. Yeah, we all are. And I it, I'm, I mean, obviously the, the, the lock thing is over, but that would have been my lock. Um, Chicago came up with a very strange, dominant win last week that nobody saw coming with a quarterback nobody's ever heard of. I wonder if this is our new Kurt Warner. Hmm. Um, yeah. Let's see how he does this week. Yeah. You know, he's got a chance here because this Chargers defense isn't any good, but this Charger offense... They're going to put up points. So well, that Tyler Badgett, he, he relied on short passes all game. His average depth of target was 2.1 yards. Really? I, you just can't do that for forever. No, that won't last for long. Yeah. The Raiders at the Lions to end the week on Monday Night Football. The Raiders are 3-4. and four. The Lions are 5-2. and two. I'll bet we're all taking Detroit. Absolutely. I mean, again, Detroit really, you know, took it on the chin last week. But And that if they hadn't, I might be more interested in an, an upset pick, but... I find these really good teams, when they take a beating like that, they tend to come back strong. Um, Las Vegas just isn't any good. We've all been saying that. So two dome teams, I'll take Detroit. All right. When we return, we're going to talk a little bit about the World Series. Stay with us on Connect FM. We'll be back in 30 seconds. We're sponsored by Smith Lawn and Landscaping. Keeping your eye on the ball is the key to playing sports well. Let Wise Eyes coach you into sturdy shatter and contact-resistant eyewear. Whether your child plays sports... You love extreme sports or you work in hazardous construction zones. You need sharp vision while protecting your eyes. Dr. Lineski is a leader in clinical eye care and takes the time to explain your eye test results. Proud to support local sports programs, Wise Eyes has served our community for over 20 years. Commons Drive to Boys and at MyWiseEyes.com. Now, let's go back to Under Review on Connect FM. Here again, Bob Anderson, Dave Glass, and Dave Herzing. 
Well, Dave, last night was a lot of fun in sports. The NHL did the Frozen Friends. Is your business Everett? a Dubois Chamber member? If not, you're missing Business Connections oh, luncheons. A great. The. Uh, the frozen frenzy was on last night, but so was the A or the NLCS. And I had a feeling you were probably glued to that game. Um, I bet you didn't have the uh, Diamondbacks versus the Rangers in the World Series. No, Dave. If anybody did, I would like to know what their Powerball numbers are, especially the way that series started out. I mean, you know, Philly through two games just looked so dominant, even though when it was 2-2, it's like Arizona. It's like, OK, they won a couple close ones. Philly went out one game five, and then they come home and they just laid a complete egg on offense. You know, when when you're a, a, a homer strikeout team like that, it can go cold for you, and it did. Um, you know, their pitching was okay, but it wasn't great. And you know, hey, I, I'll give the first of all, I want to give the Diamondbacks credit. That this is a great story. They've got some really cool players. I'm happy for them, but I have to say, it's just silly that we have 84 team, 84 win teams in the playoffs. They, they you know. They lost their last three games. They backed in. The week before that, they had to come back on Chicago four times in a game to win it. And if they lose that game, I'm pretty sure we're talking about the Cubs right now. So I know the whole thing in sports is let's expand playoffs, expand playoffs, expand playoffs. But what's the regular season even worth now? I I really want to see these series get lengthened. I want to see less off days, and I want to see the best team because Arizona has no depth at all. They've got two starters who are any good. They've got about three relievers who are any good, about half a lineup. And that works. That's worked. That's a that's a good playoff team when you can when you have an off day every two or three days. But I would like to see MLB make some some adjustments on that. But that doesn't take away from the fact that for the last you know two and a half weeks they've been awesome. And hey, credit to Texas, um, another case where they didn't win a single home game and yet they're still. Yeah, I see that. And still moving on. And uh, you know, I know a lot of people are happy about Houston being out. I'm not necessarily one of them. Um, my son Jeremiah is probably the biggest Houston fan in the mm. whole state. But, you know, you got to give Texas credit. They Both these teams were 100 lost teams two years ago. It does give Pirate fans hope. I will give you that. You can turn it around quicker in baseball now than you used to be able to. Uh, and this is the first time there is actually two teams in the World Series that are playing indoors. They both have a retractable roofs. So that, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, that, uh, that eliminates the uh, weather problem in November. Well, but, yeah, I'm sure MLB likes that. But I wonder if they're going to like their ratings. I mean... And it's unfortunate, but I'm sure these, this is going to be one of the lowest rated series because it's not like these teams have humongous fan bases. Uh, so on to the hockey here real quick. We got a couple of minutes left. And, and I know we talked last week, you said it's just a couple of games into the season. But are we starting to see a little bit of a trend here with the Penguins? They just can't seem to keep up with these fast skating teams. And, and then Saturday, Mike Sullivan's calling out his team for not playing hard enough. What's going on here? Well, Saturday I felt, okay, they, they just had a bad game Saturday, and he ripped into them, and they had a hard practice. That that concerned me a little, but it didn't bother me. I'll tell you what bothered me more was last night. I thought last night they played hard. They were on their they were you know on their toes. They were skating. They were taking it to Dallas in the first period. Probably should have had four goals, and they had one. And yeah, I'm they're like, just not scoring. And I'm like, uh-oh. And, and the other thing, and I got to say it, I'm starting to see real signs of age in Sidney Crosby. I mean, he can still pass, and he's still got the hands, but he's not out skating anybody anymore. Well, and they're just they're just not shooting the puck. I mean, well, they're getting shots. They're just not putting them in. Well, and there's no traffic in front, generally. It, yeah, they, they need to get traffic. That power play is starting to frustrate yeah. me. They're 0 for 10 in the, their, their last 10. They're 2 for 16 on the season. This was supposed to be a good power play 
To me, they just have too many all-stars on that power play. They need some grit and sandpaper well, up they there. They do. And, and again, I want to come back to, and I said this after the first week, it's great that Malkin had that great start and everything, but if you don't get four lines at least contributing, you're never going to win in this league. Yeah. And the, the, the bottom two lines, I think, have one goal. Yeah. And we're, not, we're not two games in now. We're six games in. And this next, this next game is no picnic. I mean, you've got uh, Colorado coming to town. Now, in the past, I've seen them win games like this, but... You know, as they say, it's getting late early. You don't want to dig yourself a hole. The Eastern Conference is loaded. Um, you know, heck, even Philly's looking. They, they'll come back to earth, but they look much better than I expected. Um, Boston, what, what is it with Boston? Oh. Six and zero. Oh, I thought yes. they'd be like three and three. And Detroit too. Yeah, they, so they're off to a great start. They, I said, I've, and I've been the one saying that this team doesn't have a real chance to be good. I thought they might be okay, but they have collapse risk, Bob. I mean, this team might actually be an 80 point team if this keeps up yeah it's hard to tell i mean they've got to get that power play going though that that has to be the equalizer um like well, I said, if they don't have a dangerous shots. power play they're not going to be any good because yeah. if five on five they're not going to just roll over teams like they used to you are 100 percent right yep all right so when we come back we're going to get lost here stay with us as we continue under review sponsored by smith lawn and landscaping on connect fm here we go again, the same old story. You order the part online, it's wrong when it arrives, the car's torn apart, and then the fun begins. Trying to send it back. In the meantime, your wife is missing her hair appointment, the kids need to, well, you know the rest of the story, and you think you saved money. At Napa, we'll get it right the first time. Napa know-how is on your side with expert customer service and parts that meet or exceed manufacturer's standards. Napa, better here to serve you, our customers. Napa Auto Parts, Dubois, Brockway, Brookville, and Climber. It's back! Our prices are really sweet. You say big all October. Don't delay, just hurry. To Spitzer Dubois and St. Mary's, where every vehicle on our lot is panda priced up to five grand off MSRP. Plus, enjoy panda paw protection with the Spitzer Shield, featuring our lifetime nationwide powertrain warranty, unlimited time, unlimited miles, and much more. Like a $1,000 price protection, so you can make sure you get no tricks and all the treats. That's on top of complimentary first year maintenance. Plus, with the Spitzer Speed Pass, you can make your Halloween even sweeter when you custom order your new car online anytime. New inventory is here and we have more arriving daily. Hurry in and sink your teeth into these sweet deals and buy online anytime at Spitzer.com. Don't be scared, come and say At Spitzer, our world revolves around you. Must complete regular maintenance at the manufacturer's specified intervals and document it. Any breakdowns must be completed at Spitzer location within 40 miles. Warranty effective anywhere in the continental United States of America, Alaska, Hawaii, and Canada. Complimentary maintenance applies to new vehicle purchases. Seek dealer for complete details. Is your business a Dubois Chamber member? If not, you're missing midday mixers and after hours. Fun networking events with other local business people. It's Chamber Month. Join for next year and get three months free. Details at DACC at DuboisPACHamber.com. What's your call? This is Under Review on Connect FM. You can call Bob, Dave, and Dave at 814-372-1420. Join the chat on their Facebook page by searching Under Review Sports. And it's time to get lost. We missed D tonight for this, but uh, of course, work and family always comes first. So hopefully we'll have him back in the lineup next week, but uh, I'll let you start it off here, Dave. Yeah, I was going to give D a shout out. You know, get lost just isn't the same without him. None of this is the same without him. We love having him here, but I did find a great get lost and it's hashtag get lost Chase Claypool. 
Did you know that the Bears are 2-1 since they got rid of him and were 0-13 with him? Did you know that the Dolphins were 5-1 until they activated him and they're 0-1 with him? Did you know the Steelers last year were 2-6 until they got rid of him and are 11-4 since they traded him? That dude is just bad news. Addition by subtraction. My get lost is another receiver. I don't know if you saw Chris Olave got uh, pulled over and arrested for driving recklessly. He pulled the old, I'm a Saints player with the cop. Didn't make any difference. Which uh, it shouldn't. No. But uh, did you miss any part of our show tonight? You can download the podcast tomorrow or go back and visit past episodes on connectradio.fm. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at underreviewfm. Until next time, I'm Bob and he's Dave. Thanks for listening.